Investing made easy and cool. You know, to build a credit score, I would say look at a credit card first because I think that's quite easy to manage. I mean, it's it's linked to your various banking apps and apply for a bit of credit on that credit card, but then manage it and don't try and exhaust the credit that you've got on that card. You just use it purely as, you know, buying something for a thousand rand on it and then just paying that off in the next month. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications, your cool gut. To investing. <laughs> My name is DJ At Large. Thank you so much for lending us your ears on the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. So a couple of weeks ago, we had an amazing conversation with Elsa Alberts. She's an experienced wealth psychologist, and we spoke about treating your money like a person that you're in a romantic relationship with and the actions that you need to take to make that relationship work. If you missed that conversation, go back, rewind, and give it a good, good, good listen. When you're building a relationship, so many things can happen a lot of mistakes can happen because nobody's perfect so as you court and you shell your money there are some mistakes that you will make right so you will get into debt you will make horrible investment decisions you'll try and keep up with the kumalos because of financial pressure and often these mistakes can heavily impact your relationship with money so today's episode is all about the five common money mistakes that people make and how to avoid catching an l and an l stands for a loss my name is DJ at large. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Hanging out with two Mavericks. Craig says I should call him CT. And he's a certified financial planning professional and the head of wealth at Easy Equities. And another fave of mine in the world of Finlit S. You know, she's always dropping some gems on social media, on Twitter. And I know she's also got a YouTube page called The Road to Financial Freedom with S. Guys, thank you so much for coming on to the Easy Desert Podcast. Thank you for having us, Large. What's happening, Craig? Yeah, how's it, Large? Great to be here, man. Hey, I'm surrounded by celebrities today. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, the purpose of the discussion, right, is to have an open conversation about the money mistakes that people make. Why do they make these mistakes? How do they avoid making these mistakes? And most importantly, if I've made a mistake, what now? Before we start talking about other people's mistakes, so yeah. last financial mistake you had, what was the lesson that came out of it? You know, I'm 40 years old. You know, so I've learned, you know, what a balloon payment can do to your finances because you you, you always seem to just carry it over and carry it over. And uh, if I could go back, um, I think uh, that's where I could save a lot of money if I just understood what that balloon payment was when I was, you know, 18 years old or 20 years old. For me, it's about setting boundaries. I know when it comes to friends and family, there's an emotional side of, you know, wanting to help out. You want to give the best to your loved ones. And saying no can really be a tough thing to do. But I think as you go along, it's very important to learn to set boundaries for yourself and for those around you. Um, make sure you can explain. There's sometimes when, you, when you're able to help and there are times when you can't. But being able to put boundaries and say no is very important if you're going to get ahead financially. Yeah, and I think sometimes the issue is some people can almost emotionally blackmail you into assisting them financially. And sort of navigating that can also be a little bit difficult as well. So I completely get are the lessons that you guys got and i want us to get into some of these mistakes right the five common money mistakes and l's that people are catching out here right so mistake number one is failing to budget and to build up an emergency fund and i want to start with you is right 
why is it important not only to have a budget but to actually follow it i think sometimes people forget that creating the budget and following the budget are two different things my budget is linked to my financial goals and dreams i don't separate the dreams and the financial goals for me it's i consider it mm. as one for example it's a roadmap to where i want to get to i know in the mm. next five years i know where i want to be financially so for me i have to then work backwards and say okay i want to be here five years what does my financial future look like in five years so let's say i want to have saved up a certain amount i want to go to mauritius as an example i need to work backwards and put it into my budget to say okay starting from today how much do i need to be putting aside to make sure i get to that goal in five years so for me i consider a budget as a roadmap it's linked it, you can't separate the two it needs to be linked and on a monthly basis you need to be working towards that five-year goal i often speak to people and i ask them where do you want to be five years and they'll tell me these big dreams but when you ask how they're doing it on a monthly basis um it's not reflective and for me those two have to be married the two between the goal and where you want to be in the budget it has to tie in obviously on a monthly basis things happen yeah, once in yeah, a while yeah. um it's life it's okay but how do you get back to that original goal of where you want to be in five years? Because yeah, that's very sense. important for me. That makes sense. So it's almost like saying the budget is the roadmap and following the budget is actually going on this journey. So, you know, following the actual journey itself. Absolutely. Ah, correct. Makes sense. Craig, if a budget is so important, it's this roadmap. Why don't we follow? What are some of the reasons why people don't even budget? Firstly, I, I love the, the roadmap um, analogy. I mean, uh, the foundation to any solid financial mm. plan is a budget. I think it's the sort of head in the sand mentality. You know, you, some, some people, they just don't want to know. You know, they, they think what comes in must go out. So I think just putting the budget in place is uh, is vitally important. I think um, it's admin, you know, so it's creating, you know, is it an Excel spreadsheet? Is it downloading an app? Is it, you know, so, so a lot of people, I think, just see it as a lot of admin when the success of your finances is literally a lot of it is based around just that very basic budgeting tool. I'd love to add on something there as well. You know, it's an emotional thing. When you see money in your account, <laughs> all of a sudden the plans you had go out the window. <laughs> When you see this money sitting in the account on payday and you see it staring at you, you, you almost want to then go and, you know, have a little fun here, ha yeah. go on a weekend trip away. It's, it's literally that emotional aspect to it. But when I also think about a budget, I think about an emergency fund. Because for me, the two are sort of, they, they brother and sister. They together. You know what I mean? Because then it gives you an opportunity that when there's an issue, there is an emergency, you have these funds that you can use. As for those that are looking to build an emergency fund, how big is emergency fund supposed to be? Usually the ideal is three to six months. Okay. Um, your emergency fund should be able to cover at least three to six months of your expenses, your monthly expenses, okay. not necessarily your salary, but expenses. For me to build that emergency fund, it, it takes a while. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that takes a while. And I'm one of those people that takes part in savings challenges because they they keep me accountable to, to what I want to do yeah. in terms of an emergency fund. So for me, having an emergency fund is a must. I know there have been times in my life and it happens at the worst time you can think of. A family relative dies, your tire bursts 
or your giza bursts or something happens for me an emergency fund and i think covid has shown that mm. i think people's salaries were slashed you know we have to be cognizant yeah. of that and it's an emergency fund just provides a cushion for you to land sense, when that yeah. financial mistake happens at least you've got something to fall back on you know sometimes i've heard people saying that when you created your budget and you now need to you have all your debts and now there's an emergency fund you should be using all your money to pay off your debt before you start to save and i always feel like you need to be doing a little bit of both you can't be doing one and not doing the other from a financial planner point of view what should we actually be doing take a portion of uh, of your income and, and settle debt and take a portion of your income um, and start building an emergency fund you know i think it it goes around the emotional side as well i mean a lot of people have this uh, this emotional thing that they need to get rid of their debt they hate their debt they can't sleep you know so it's a balance i mean if, if that's the case then then rather focus on on killing that debt mm-hmm. you know i mean you know there's there's credit cards and personal loans out there that are sitting at you know 25% interest rates you know so you know of course you're going to have sleepless nights mm-hmm. so um, so yeah so balance it out um, and 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 make sure that you're doing what's best for your personal finances don't think about what the guy next door is doing or the person next door or your friends or whatever do what's best for you it's a question to both of you guys. A, a couple of weeks ago, somebody was tweeting about how they keep their emergency funds in their crypto wallet. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> where, where should we actually be keeping our emergency funds? Like, I'm curious as to where you guys are keeping them as individuals, but where should we actually be keeping it? Definitely not a crypto wallet. <laughs> um, so the, the thing the thing with an emergency account is that it's not a don't don't see it as an investment. It's not there to grow and it's not there to to get the best growth out of it. It's not a growth asset. It's there to serve a purpose, which is short term expenses, which is emergencies like uh, like S says within the next you know one to six months. You know you're not you're not trying to shoot the lights out and uh, and, and try and get 40 percent growth on it. If it's giving you three or four percent, that's fine because it's serving a purpose in your financial portfolio. Because you want to have access to it. Mm-hmm. Really concerned that it grows, right? Liquidity, makes sense. Flexibility, mm-hmm. accessibility, and not in a thirty-day account. You know, it, it it must be available tomorrow for you to have it. So, bank account. You know, mm. money market fund link into your uh, into your your banking profile. Mm. Just something very conservative that is uh, that is going to you know be able to you know just y- you can recover from an emergency expense. Yeah, I mean, as so, you be, you've been seeing these tweets. I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts? Where are you keeping <laughs> your money? Listen, I'm not keeping it in a crypto wallet. That's for sure. I can assure you of that. So I I like to keep it in my access bond. I've got an access bond. Mm-hmm. For me, it it saves me interest because okay. obviously it's sitting there. It's extra money that I can have access to at any point in time and then i also have a separate account with one of the banks i keep it away from my primary bank i actually have it in another bank so that getting access to it you know it's it's not i'm not tempted to 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 touch it because it's just right there and i mean the consequences are pretty obvious you have no roadmap you're stagnant your money is not going in any sort of direction and then it becomes easy to say i have no money to save because you have no budget so you don't even know what's coming in and what's going out and if a disaster was to happen now you're getting the loan now you're abusing the credit card so i think mistake number one is very interesting because it it requires you to do a little bit of some work on your own does that make sense to you guys in terms of that those are the consequences of not having a budget or an emergency fund absolutely you always fall back 
on things you're not supposed to in an emergency when you don't have a plan you will suddenly find yourself using that credit card when you're not supposed to and it just it's digging a deeper hole for yourself that you might not be able to get out of should things go wrong i've often heard people saying they are going into debt because they want to build up their credit score the first thing is when last did you to check your own credit score and then what is a credit score so i checked mine a week ago <laughs> <laughs> how often do you check it i check it once every three months what's every three months um so okay. i i i can i'm sure i can mention that i use credit score uh-huh. um clear score sorry so they they usually send me these emails once in a while and i just want to make sure that no one has done any fraud on my account okay. so it's purely for fraud craig <laughs> lost did you check your credit score Jeez, I, I actually thought it was going to come up today so i checked it last night that was the first time I checked it in. <laughs> you're, prefer- you're like, oh, he's going to ask me. I need yeah, to at least yeah. check it now. <laughs> and, and I mean, what, what is a credit score? Um, you know, the, the funny thing is when you start to work, nobody actually tells you anything about a credit score. It's almost like you get your salary, there's your money, buy. And then you're thinking, I want to go get a cell phone contract. And then they like, they decline. But you're like, but I'm ending a salary. So what is an actual credit score? So how I like to think of it is, is basically your account conduct. Um, it starts off with so I, I used to work in the bank mm. um, the bank monitors your check account basically how you how you conduct yourself in that account so okay. what's coming in your salary what's going on how are you spending your money how long does your money stay in the account when you talk of your credit score it's essentially there there are few things that you you're sort of being scored by the credit bureaus um, stuff like your your payment history okay. are you paying your your monthly um, debt that you have that you might have um, the scoring things like your debt utilization so if you have a credit card are you maxing out your credit card limit okay. or are you using 50% and by the way using less of your credit card limit it doesn't make sense I know but using less of your credit card limit actually counts towards uh, to your benefit okay. um, things like your credit history how long what's the oldest debt you have on your profile how long ago did you take out uh, uh, debt. Uh, the longer that has been, the better for you. And have you recently applied for your cre- credit recently? And how long was that spacing? So if I applied for credit last month, uh, you ideally want to wait a little bit before applying for the, you know, for another credit uh, facility. And then do you keep some money in your check account? Uh, is it always overdrawn? Um, those are the okay. things to look out for. And if you want to build up your credit profile, your check account counts. I know most people don't know that, but it does count your account conduct on your check account. Your primary bank, if you bank with a certain bank, is able to check that. But if you bank with another bank, then they'll go to the credit bureaus and check because they don't have a history. And things like your, you know, having a small account with, let's say, with CNA, um, Mm. could be 500 rand. That could also help you having an insurance policy. That makes sense. Your retirement annuity, those sort of things Uh. actually count towards building your credit limit. So you don't have to go to debt specifically to build that credit that, that makes sense and this is where i want to bring in bring in craig i think we've touched on all the the factors so what is a credit score all the factors that can affect it but craig i'm i'm new i'm an intern i'm earning a, a really small salary and i want to build my credit score and i don't even know where to start can you give us like a roadmap of things we need to start considering i think debt is never a good thing um, you know, so so I'd always try and avoid that, but but building a credit score is a reality. 
you know so so if you did want to apply for a loan on a car or on a house or whatever it is unfortunately you're going to have to show some sort of of track record when it comes to when it comes to that that's what that's what the banks look at you know when you're financing something they want to make sure that your your conduct on on previous debts that you've had is is good and that's essentially what the what the credit score refers to you know it's like you know should that bank give you the loan or not you know that's what they're looking at if you're just starting out and you've just got your first paycheck rather look at saving and investing first you know to build a credit score i would say look at a credit card first because i think that's quite easy to manage i mean it's it's linked to your various banking apps and apply for a you know a bit of credit on that credit card but then manage it you know don't uh, don't use it and and don't try and um, exhaust the credit that you've got on that card you just use it purely as you know buying buying something for a thousand rand on it and then just paying that off in the next month you know that's already creating some sort of credit score and it's showing you that it's showing the banks that you are are good at managing that debt in order to build your credit score you will have to take on some sort of debt the issue comes when it's excessive debt so now you max out the credit card as you were saying the check the check account is now on zero or minus whatever is, is that what you guys are saying so, so building your credit history is is just part of your financial portfolio part of financial planning you know because you are going to want to get a, a car you are going to want to get a house you know down the line so if you're just starting out you know you do need to start and, and and think about that but it's a good way to start managing it and start understanding how it works you know so so don't just take it out understand what the interest rate is you know understand you know how long have i got to pay this thing off you know is it is it the best in the markets i mean have i got a good rate in my credit card you know don't just take it out anywhere you know do do a little bit of uh, of investigation on your you know on your own and just find out where where should i be taking a credit card out with you know don't just go for the first op- offer and what about the people who got in the advice of to build your credit score you need to take some sort of a debt and then it spiraled it went all wrong you've now got two credit cards you're owing this person you're owing that person what do we say to that person that is over indebted and now they're trying to get out of the debt trap it's where, where do i even start i think go back to the drawing board sit down list your debt one by one what do you have with whom uh, what is the interest rate you're being charged on that particular debt and then work out a plan of you know there are different methods i know people use you know the snowball method where you start off with the smallest debt and then you roll on after you finish paying you go to the next debt i think be honest with yourself and where you're at financially and then contact the different lenders so once you have a plan you've worked out you know all the debts you have you've listed them you know your interest rate sit down with yourself and work out a plan and then go to your different lenders and have a discussion you know from having been in the bank what i noticed is that we're more willing to listen the bank is more willing to listen to you when you've got a plan and you know how you're going to manage your debt as opposed to just leaving it hiding it until it balloons where now they're calling you on a monthly basis rather speak to the lenders before it spirals out so as early as you can you know covid impacted a lot of people's finances i know people took salary cuts and the first thing you know the banks were offering debt relief find out what does what does this debt relief entail how will it impact my repayments are they extending the loan do i need to restructure it so those are the things that you can play it and, and by talking to the bank they can actually give you the various options that are available for you so i know some banks are willing to restructure maybe make the term of the debt longer so that your monthly installments then reduce so just finding out what are your options really helps as opposed to you know burying your hat your head yeah. in the sand and and waiting for everyone to go away it won't go away it's something you need to face and ensure that you're talking to the right
people and have a plan in place and follow that plan because it's the only way yeah. you'll be able to get out. It's such a difficult one because there's there's something you said that was very, very key and, and, and I want to see if Craig is going to agree with me. It's the honesty of the debt. So having to now really look at everything. I've spent X, I owe X and now I need to put it all down. The honesty part is hard because what I've noticed, Greg, with, with some of the people I've spoken to, like friends and family that are in debt, is sometimes people don't understand that in order to get out of debt, you need to get out of the lifestyle that got you into debt. And I think that's where the honesty bit comes in. How do we deal with the honesty bit? I think it's such a difficult one. Yeah, I agree. Hey? I think look at your behavior. Look at your financial behavior. Look at your lifestyle. Look why you got into that debt and, and think about, geez, like how bad is this making me feel You know, right now? So now I'm going to spend the next year focusing on settling my debt but then remember, like again, the, the emotions with money. Remember how bad it felt, you know, a year ago when I was in all this debt. And just remember that because now, now you've you've settled your debt. Now you can focus, and now you can reset things, and now you can focus more on savings and investing. So, mm-hmm. I'd like to share a personal story. So, as a working professional, I was young. I already had my own debts. Then I got married, and you know, in our African culture, when you're getting married, there's lawola from the husband's side. At the time, we were also having a baby, and we also needed a house. We needed a place to stay and just the effects of getting married getting a house having a kid really stretched our finances and one of the things that we had to do with my husband was sit ourselves down and say you know we have all this you know we're starting out a life it's we we're young we're a young couple how do we sort ourselves out and we had to be honest with ourselves take out literally take our pay slips side by side sit down and go through what was going through our account on a monthly basis and what what did we need to cut out and you know it was it was eye-opening because we had to be honest with ourselves and then we had to be honest as as a couple one of the cuts we had to do personally was get rid of one car and we learned to share a car till to this day we share a car with my husband that's that's the plan we made to get out of debt so that installment was now going to paying extra towards the debt and when the debt was settled we're then able to shift that money towards our investing so before we continue with the mistakes we want to get a couple of voice notes from some of our easy investors and they're going to be sharing some of their stories in terms of mistakes that they've made Hello. So my last money mistake was buying a JSE listed penny stock uh, without doing proper due diligence or doing proper research. And now the penny stock has been suspended from the JSE. Thank you. Hello. My recent money mistake was a few weeks ago when someone said they have opened a restaurant and need investors. He said to me, if I invest uh, 500, I will get a return of 1.5 a month for six months and then I reinvest again. Sadly, that person went AWOL on me after I have sent him the cash. No judgments at all to our easy investors. Keep working on your relationship with money. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing your stories in terms of your mistakes. So we're on to uh, mistake number three. And this is one that Craig had already mentioned. Mm, mm, mm. So not fully understanding the concept of a balloon payment residual and all the costs that are associated with the vehicle. So, Craig, I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> I'm giving you that eye. Yeah. What is the balloon payment? 
jeepers, man. So, so a balloon payment, uh, also known as a as a residual payment, it's essentially a a finance company taking a part of the value of the vehicle and moving it out of what you need to pay on a monthly basis uh-huh. and saying to you that you only need to pay this at the end of the finance term. So it's almost saying, is is an example, um, I'm going to buy a car for 250 grand. Okay. But we're going to uh, give you a balloon payment of 50 grand. Uh-huh. So all you need to do is pay the installment on 200,000 rand. Okay. Uh, instead of the 250,000. So okay. it reduces your monthly repayment, which is lacquer. You know? So now I can, uh, so now people think, you know, geez, I can get a bigger car now. Or, you know, or, you know how, how nice is this place? You uh-huh. know, they, they're giving me like something for free here. But when you get to the end of the five year or six year term, that company is going to say to you, hey, I want that 50,000 rand now, that, uh, that balloon payment, that residual payment payment that uh, that we agreed to you know five six years ago you know and, and is that 50 is that 50k still 50k or is it 50k with interest no it's just 50k okay. it's just 50k at that point in time but now you've got to come up with that 50k you know so <sighs> so 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 where the oh. where the finance companies are quite clever then you know they'll say to you okay well refinance this you know or sell your car you know and hopefully there's a bit of value in your car and then you can repay this so it's, yeah, it's just essentially making the the repayments in your car, you know, you know, cheaper. And, and again, that's where I suffered, you know, when I was when I was twenty years old, you know. So what I did is is I just had to carry over, you know, that residual into my new car. I was essentially then paying more for a new car than I should have because of my, you know, mistakes in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know. So so I went from a nice car. Yeah, my ne- my next car wasn't so lucky because I still had this residual payment. You know? Oh, from the previous car. Exactly. And then I went to this <sighs> next one and they were like, oh, geez. So so eventually I had to, yeah, had to, again, look at myself in the mirror and say, geez, like, okay, well, you know, now this car I've had, I've had for 11 years, you know. So, <laughs> you know, I've just, you know, I've learned the mistake when it comes to financing vehicles. And the, the thing with financing a vehicle also is that it's not a it's not a growth asset. If we talk about assets, I mean, that car is just depreciating every single day. You know, so you're not financing something that's, you know, going to grow into the future you're actually financing something that depreciates which which was a huge financial lesson for me mm, i can just imagine and you know as sometimes we 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 think about balloon payments and then we think about the installment of the car and we don't realize that there's a difference between the cost that you pay to get the car and then there's a cost to keep the car mm. you know what i mean so i want us to talk a little bit about the cost associated with actually keeping a car and if i'm not correct if, I, if i'm not mistaken i think you recently you recently got a new whip yes i did right so you're the right person <laughs> to actually ask about all the costs associated with getting a new whip so so in my case we're fortunate to put down a deposit on the car we we made that personal decision after doing our amortization schedule of how the car was going to cost over the long term and okay. we then decided to put down a deposit there was initiation costs so it's just initiating the agreement with whichever financier you're getting into so that can be a once-off cost or you can pay it over the term of the of the loan okay i think ours was a thousand seven hundred and if you took the long route literally that ballooned over the t- term of the vehicle mm. whereas if you paid it upfront separately you you lessened you know the amount that you were taking out with with okay. with the financier so we decided to pay the initiation cost in okay. and not finance it over the period of the term the other thing is is literally your maintenance cost of this vehicle you know there's your tires once in a while i think every 90,000 k's I'm not a professional but i've heard that you need to change <laughs> your tires every 90,000 Ks or less depending on how you drive so there's that aspect there is the fuel 
on a monthly basis that you pay. Insurance and stuff like that. There's insurance. Don't even get me started on the insurance aspect because that's another aspect that we sort of tend to hide. When you're done looking at, you know, insurance, maintenance, tires and all the other aspects, your car can literally cost double the monthly installment that you thought you would you were going to pay. And I think a lot of us don't go through that exercise to say, you know, what will it actually cost me and what is a comfortable amount for me to be paying on a monthly basis once you've considered all these aspects that are associated with uh, driving this car on a daily basis. Mm. And what's interesting, it links back to something that Craig said. There's all these costs associated with this vehicle, but it's depreciating in value. It's actually going... You're not winning. It's, it's a losing game, which is really weird. Those that have taken it up, they've got a balloon payment, whether they, they were aware of what the consequences would be or they were not. What should they be considering? I think go back to your agreement. Check your agreement. Look for that agreement that you discarded and that you signed happily. Ugh. Look through it and, and see what are the terms and conditions. And call up your, your financiers, your bank, and find out if you make extra payment, if you're able to, if you're fortunate enough to make extra payment on a monthly basis. Okay. Is that allowed to reduce you know, the outstanding amount? Is that allowed? And what, what is the impact on the overall okay. uh, financial cost? I know some some financiers allow you to start paying the balloon extra, um, but that's a separate you know thing that you must find out if they will allow you to start making extra payment on the balloon. So not only are you paying extra on the installment, a monthly installment, but you can also add extra onto your balloon, onto balloon payment. Well. Check if that option is available, and if you are able to, try and see in your budget if you can allocate those funds to already start putting something Makes so that sense. it's just not growing. Yeah. I already know I'm gonna owe them like fifty. K in the, in the example you had is maybe an option for me to like start saving towards that 50k could that be an option rather you know like s says ra- rather try and you know kill that debt off okay. as soon as you've got the money you know so don't put it into 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 your emergency account that's going to give you you know four or five percent interest mm. where that you could be that residual might cost you you know 12 13 percent interest so so rather rather just focus on putting that extra money and uh, and settling you know the the outstanding amount sooner rather than rather than later mm. so so recently a friend of mine um discovered the issues of a balloon payment in a very cruel way unfortunately wrote off his car and the value that he was being given by the insurance could not cover what he still owed the bank and now the whole issue of credit shortfall came into place in terms mm. of your insurance what is credit shortfall Craig is <laughs> what what is it what what's the role that it plays that is essentially what the the insurance company will insure your car for so it might they might insure your car for for 200,000 rand you might still owe 250,000 rand on that car you know so so if you write it off you know the insurance company will settle the 200,000 rand but you've still got another 50 grand you know that's owing to to the bank mm. you know so i think that's where that's where the problem comes in and you know when i'm looking at somebody in the car that they're driving it's it's you know i don't look at the brand i'm like i wonder how much the soak owes on that car you know so so for me for me a good car is a car that's paid off. I think we live in an environment where a car is necessary, you know. But uh, the sooner we pay it off, you know, the the better. Don't don't judge yourself on you know that Oak's driving a the two million rand car and I'm driving a two hundred thousand rand car. Geez, that Oak's got a, a twenty five thousand rand monthly repayment on that car, you know. So for me, that's the biggest thing. Mm. Pay off your car as soon as you can. I think just to go back on that credit shortfall. So when I phone around for insurance, I usually ask, you know, I check the value of of the car that I'm driving and then I make sure that the market value and what I'm insured for 
aligns. And that's how you can, one way you can avoid that, you know, shortfall. That's how we wrap up part one of our discussion with Craig and S. And, uh, you know, going through three of the common money mistakes that people make, we've heard it all crazy crazy times and of course the easy investors also got to share uh, a couple of their mistakes with us as well two more mistakes to go that will be coming in part two easy does it that's how we do a big shout out to you for hanging out with us don't forget to subscribe we are on spotify and apple podcast let us know what you think of this episode on twitter and insta our handle is at easy equities